GMC and Ranger, South Africa's own car. The time is half past eight. Goodness, I found you. Uh, what's the matter, uh, sir? Is there some trouble? Trouble? Yes, of course. Come with me at once. Back to my office. What's happened, sir? Happened? It's my partner. He's been murdered. It's time for you to take your place on the jury as Bristol Myers, makers of new boat toothpaste, invite you to... Consider your verdict. It is with a degree of reluctance and sympathy that I rise to open the case for the crown against the prisoner at the bar, Henry John Howe, for the murder of Roger Spencer. A sympathy which no doubt members of the jury will share as the facts unfold. For evidence will be led, which will indicate that had he lived, the murdered man might well have had to stand trial on a serious charge. A charge where the prisoner now before you was the victim. But I will be doing less than my duty if I did not beg you, even at this stage, to remove all sympathetic thoughts from your mind and judge the facts impartially. For the law is the law. And whatever steps for redress were available to the prisoner, murder was not and never could fall into that category. The facts are these. For some 15 years, the prisoner worked for Mildenhalls, a small but successful import and export agency, rising to the position of general manager. Some three years ago, Mr. Mildenhall himself died and left the business to his only daughter, Agnes. Agnes had very little knowledge of what went on at Mildenhalls, but a considerable wish for the firm to continue on its successful way. To this end, Although she was 15 years older than the prisoner, she proposed marriage to him and was accepted. They were married just six months after the old man died. All might have been well despite the difference in their ages, had it not been for Mrs. Howell's extreme jealousy and unfortunately well-founded suspicion. She was jealous of anyone who showed the slightest interest in her husband and suspected an intrigue between her husband and his secretary, Anne Welsh, whom I now call as my first witness. Miss Welsh, you were employed as a secretary at Milton Hall's even before the prisoner's marriage. Yes, I'd worked for Mr. Hall for just on five years. Over the years, a relationship of considerable intimacy had grown between you and the prisoner. Uh, Miss Welsh... I realize that my question may well cause you embarrassment, but the prisoner stands in grave peril, and it was in the best interests of justice that you agreed to give evidence in this case. Yes. Well? Yes, we were lovers. Both before and after the accused's marriage? Yes. 
Will you please tell the court of a visit you received from the deceased, Roger Spencer, in May of 1966? It was about seven o'clock in the evening. Henry, Mr. Hull, had just left. He sometimes used to come to my flat for an hour or so, if he could get away from the office early before he went home. I wasn't expecting anyone, and when the doorbell rang, I thought he must have come back for something. Uh, I don't oh. know. I'm, uh, I'm afraid not, Miss Welsh. Uh, uh, he'll be safely on his train heading home by now. Uh, what do you want? Who are you? Oh, I think it's probably more sensible if you asked me in. Bad policy to do business on the doorstep. Difficult to keep secrets. <laughs> oh, I don't understand, but... Oh, all right, come in. Thank you. Ah, yes, very nice and comfortable, eh? And pretty, too, yeah, just like you, Miss Walsh. Ah, but you're a naughty girl. Yes, a very naughty girl. Uh, who are you? What are you talking about? Oh, there's no need to bother about my name. The point is that I know yours and Henry John Hulls. Yes, oh, well, that reminds me. Uh, you really should be more careful about calling out names when you open the door to total strangers. Oh, yes, that's another thing that would be interesting to Mrs. Hull. Mrs. Hull? You mean... Yes, you, you know, it really is very difficult to keep anything private from a really good private detective. Oh, no. Well, I'm afraid it's pretty much, oh, yes. Now, listen carefully, because you won't be getting a second chance. Tell your Henry that I know his wife's a difficult cast, but I might, I say I might, be able to uh, keep her right out of the picture, as long as Henry retains my services. I'm very reasonable, really. Just £40 a week in cash by first post every Monday morning. Here's, um, find the address on his card. Uh, make it quite clear to him that it's uh, not their first thing every Monday. I'll be paying a visit to Mrs. Howell. I see. Did you understand the intention of this approach? Yes. It was blackmail. But you made no attempt to contact the police. How could I? I had to speak to Henry first. And you did? First thing the following morning. I told him exactly what happened. What was his reaction? He was shocked. He seemed incapable of trying to find any solution. Darling, why not tell Agnes? Tell her the truth, darling. Look, I'll come with you if you like. No, it's, it, it's impossible. It'll be, be the end of everything. She divorced me and then sacked me. No, sacked me first. She's very fond of reminding me that she owns Milton Horse. Finds it very funny to authorize the salary I draw. Let her run Milton Horse without you and see what a mess she'd make. Oh, she'd manage. But I didn't know what to do. It, 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 well, it's not so easy at my age. You're not old. Darling, you have me. I see. I'm not so important as being the lapdog of old man Mildenhall's daughter. Where? I'm sorry, but what can we do? Showing the police. Oh, no. No, that'd be just as bad. I don't see why. They always keep the names out of the papers in a case like this. I should get to here. And what? I must have time to think of something. I'll pay him next Monday to keep him quiet. Well, it's not much after all. I can manage 40 pounds. 
I'll think of something. And if you don't, next week it may be 50 or 100. And then we'll be trapped. Surely it's better to stop it before it starts. No, Anna, please. And so he paid. Yes. And went on paying. Yes. And what I thought would happen did happen. Only not so quickly. After about a year, the demand went up to 60 pounds and then 100 pounds. This last increase was demanded just two days before Spencer died. Yes. And what happened? We talked about it again. And this time Henry agreed. Yes, Anne. It's, it's the only way... I'll talk to him and make him realize that I can't possibly manage a hundred pounds without it becoming obvious to the accountants that something's up. And then Agnes will hear. I'll tell him that unless he agrees to something reasonable, less even than 40 pounds, we'll go to the police and take our chance. You think he'll listen? No, he'll listen. To someone like that, anything's better than nothing and the chance of a prison sentence. I'll take him 25 pounds and tell him that's the limit from now on. He's, well, he's lucky to get that. And the next evening, the prisoner left the office to keep that appointment. Yes. Taking the 25 pounds in notes in an envelope with him. Yes. Thank you. That is all. Miss Welch, you love Henry Hull? Yes. After the appointment with Spencer, which you just heard about... Did my client ring you from the station? Yes. And did he tell you to relax and not to worry that everything was all right? Yes. Did he sound normal and calm during that telephone call? Perfectly calm. He was a little hurried as he'd only just time to phone before catching his train. And have you at any time doubted his entire innocence of the crime of which he's charged? Never. Thank you, Miss Welch. I now call Percy Ticknell. Now, Mr. Ticknell, you're a partner in the Spencer Detective Agency. Well, hardly a partner. I was just the one who did most of the footwork. Rod sat in the office and had the bright ideas. Rod? Spencer, the boss. Oh, we sometimes went out on a job, but it was mostly me who hid in the bushes and noticed when the lights went out. I take it the agency dealt mainly with evidence for divorce cases. Mostly. Please tell the court what happened on the night of the murder. Well, I've been out of the office all afternoon seeing a client in Cricklewood. And then what with the traffic and one thing and another, I was later back than I intended to be. Now, uh, one moment. You had a reason for wanting to get back. Oh, yes, Roger. Uh, Mr. Spencer told me to get back by 5.30. Right then, tell her it's going to cost a bit more. Uh, you'll have to make another trip to Brighton to make sure of the facts. <laughs> Brighton? You just thought Brighton had gone out of fashion years ago. Well, they still, they still use it. Andy, I suppose. And a good train service. Yes, yes, indeed. I'll get back by 5.30. I've got someone coming around to see me. I think it might be a good idea to have you here. Expecting trouble, eh? No, no, it's uh, just a private matter, but, um... Well, it may have a calming effect if he sees you sitting in the outer office. You know? What should I be doing? Polishing me knuckle duster? <laughs> it's a thought. Off you go. But you were not back by 5.30. No, it was nearer 6.15. And what did you find? Well, the outer door of the office wasn't locked, so I knew Spencer was still there. I went in. The door between the outer office and his was open. When I went through, there he was, 
slumped over his desk with his head lying in a pool of blood. He was dead? Yes. Well, I ran out into the street and called a policeman. Thank you. That is all. Mr. Tipton, you say Spencer was dead. Did you examine him to make sure? No, there was no need. He was dead, all right. You have had extensive experience of violent death. Enough. What with the war and all? Look, are you suggesting he wasn't dead? I'm not suggesting anything at the moment, Mr. Tickmore. You ran out into the street and found a policeman? Yeah. Well, surely the simpler course would have been to lift the telephone and ring Scotland Yard. Look, I know my business. I didn't want to touch anything in the office. Wasn't there another telephone in the outer office? Yes. Could any harm have been done or any evidence obliterated by using that instrument? Well, I didn't think of it. I just ran and found a policeman. Hardly the calm behavior of someone who spends his life tracking petty marital infidelities. However, let it pass. Spencer gave you no indication as to whom he was expecting. No. Nor to the nature of his business. He said it was private. How long did you work for Spencer? Just over six years. And you had no suspicions as to what these items of private business might be? No. Do you seriously expect this court to believe that you worked with Spencer, with no secretary, with no other minions, for six years, and yet you had no idea that behind the squalid official business that provided the front of the Spencer Detective Agency, Spencer was running a very lucrative blackmailing racket? I knew nothing about it. Such blindness can hardly be a recommendation in your profession. I do my job and I draw my pay for it. And bonuses? Sometimes. Did not those bonuses reflect the occasions when there had been an exceptionally successful uh, shakedown, I think the phrase is? I tell you, I knew nothing about that. Spencer just used to give me a bit extra when there was good profit from a job. In cash? Yes. Tax-free? Did you declare these cash payments to the receiver of revenue? No. And that is all, Mr. Ticknell. In that case, the court will adjourn. And the court adjourn. We remind you that this dramatic crystal miles. Inspector Robbins, you're in charge of the investigation into the death of Roger Spencer? Yes, sir. Please tell the court what you found. Well, I was informed by the constable on duty when I arrived at the office of the Spencer Detective Agency that nothing had been touched since his arrival. The body of Mr. Spencer was lying forward across his desk, and the base of his skull had been smashed in by a steel bar about two feet long. This bar had been on Spencer's desk and had been used either as a ruler or a paperweight. The medical report later confirmed that only one blow had been struck and that this had been the instantaneous cause of death. You questioned Mr. Tickle? Yes, I did. He told me that the dead man had been expecting a visitor. On examining the pockets of the dead man, I found a diary which had an entry, Owl 5.30, for that day. Owl. Do you know anyone named Owl, Mr. Ticknell? Oh, I don't think so. But, no, wait a minute. I think we did an investigation for a Mrs. Hull a year or so back. Would a file ought to be here. Mm. Oh, well, that sword doesn't seem to be here. I'm sure it was that name. Well, he might have taken the file out of the drawer if his visitor had anything to do with the case. Yeah, that's possible. But there was a locked drawer in the desk, which I opened with a key from Spencer's ring. There were some 16 files in the drawer, including one marked Hull. Pinned to the reports in the file was a piece of paper with various dates and sums of money written on it.
you any idea what this is all about? Thought you said you finished the investigation some time ago. That's right, we did. Yeah, but these dates, yeah, they go right up to last Monday and the cash amounts. Oh, I don't understand it. Oh, it seems to be reasonable divorce evidence. Yes, I remember now, but I was never called. I suppose they patched it up. Oh, that's one explanation. Let's look at these other files. All the other files had similar entries on the first page, and I became sure that besides a murder, I'd uncovered what looked like a blackmail record. What did you do there? I listed all the names on the files I'd found in the desk, but because of the diary entry, there was only one which seemed urgent. Early the following morning, I called at the prisoner's office. Well, Inspector, what can I do for you? Mr. Hull, I'm investigating the death of a private inquiry agent called Roger Spencer, and I have reason to believe that you called at his office late yesterday afternoon. Really, Inspector? What makes you think that? Mr. Hull, don't let's beat about the bush. Perhaps it'll help if I tell you that I think you were being blackmailed by Spencer. Oh. And also, you had an appointment with him yesterday at 5.30. I see. Well, yes, those are the facts, but... Wait a minute. Uh, did you say something about Spencer's death? He was murdered somewhere shortly before 6.15. 6.15? Well, that's impossible. It, it must have been almost six when I left him. And, well, he was very much alive then. Can you prove that? Are you accusing me, Inspector? No, I'm not accusing anyone, but you admit you were there sometime after 5.30 and he was dead at 6.15. You see, it is rather a narrow gap. But he was alive. He was hoping to go on living very comfortably out of me for years. Did anyone see you leave? I don't know. I mean, there was no one else in the office, but other people in the building might have seen me. You don't remember anyone? No. Well, I was very upset, but there must have been someone. Well, you were upset? Yes. I, I'd gone there intending to call his bluff. Yes. He'd been bleeding me week after week for months. It started quite small. But then he began to demand 100 pounds a week. I told him that all he'd get in the future was 25 pounds. But he laughed and persuaded me that, well, my own future would be even worse if I didn't go on retaining him, as he put it. You can imagine I was in no state to notice people when I left the office. Oh, why people like you, Mr. Hull, never come to the police at the very beginning? I could never understand the misery that could be prevented. Yes, well, it's easy to say that, Inspector, if you've never actually been in this position. What was the prisoner's demeanor during this interview? They seemed nervy on edge. In fact, he'd been fiddling with some envelopes on his desk, and at this point, in a manner which struck me as being not quite normal, he dropped several of them into a waste paper basket. I walked round the desk, and uh, looking into the basket, I noticed that one of the envelopes appeared to contain something. Oh, that's careless, Mr. Hull. There's something in this one. Oh, money. Hmm. Twenty-five pounds. <laughs> Careless? Yes, but this whole business has reduced me to such a nervous state that I hardly know what I'm doing. Twenty-five pounds. Yes, Inspector, you've guessed it. That's the money I tried to offer Spencer last night. But he, he just handed it back to me and told me to produce the right amount by tonight. Well, he handed it back to you? Yes. Uh, would you mind if I keep these for a moment? Naturally, I'll give you a receipt, but uh, if we find Spencer's prints on it, it'll help to verify your story. 
In fact, it was not the fingerprints which interested me, but that on one of the notes I'd seen something that looked like blood. And was it blood? Yes, the laboratory report stated that not only was it blood, but that it had not been on the note for more than 48 hours. And also, that it was of the same group as a dead man. As soon as I had this report, I returned to the prisoner's office. Uh, Mr. Hull, when you went to Spencer's office, were you wearing gloves? Yes, I normally wear gloves on the street. But uh, during your interview... I think I kept them on. Was it a natural thing to do? Well, I didn't expect to be there long. Why do you ask? Well, it seemed unusual for someone to visit an office without touching anything. A door handle, a chair, a desk... But although we've checked every fingerprint in that office, there's no trace of a print of yours. But I, I told you, I, I was wearing gloves. Have you, uh, you got these gloves? I'm afraid not. They were rather grubby, and I left them at the dry cleaners on the way to the office this morning. As a result of the information I now had, I arrested him on suspicion of murder of Roger Spencer and issued the usual warning. No further questions. Inspector! Has my client ever denied that he was the victim of a blackmailer? No, but that will be difficult in view of the evidence. Has he ever denied visiting Spencer's office on the day of the murder? No. Despite the fact that you can produce no proof that he was actually there? He admits he was there. Has he ever varied his story that Spencer was alive and well when he left the office? No. Those 25 pounds in notes which you took from my client... Have you found his fingerprints on them? No. Or those of Spencer? No, there were a great many smudges on them, but nothing clear enough for identification. Did you check the notes before sending them to the laboratory? Uh, no. So any clear prints were probably obliterated in the laboratory? Possibly. Would it not have been a more honest approach to check my client's story before chasing a theory of your own? At the time, and as was subsequently proved, the bloodstain seemed more important. That is not an answer to my question, and is something for the jury to decide. Even if it had been done in the other order, it's unlikely that any clear prints would have been found. But you didn't do it. No. Thank you. Would you agree that it's a normal thing for a man who is naturally fastidious in his dress... Take a pair of soiled gloves to the cleaners? Yes. I assume that you are hoping to find blood stains on the gloves. When you checked with the dry cleaners, had they noted any abnormal marks on them? Uh, they had made no note of any. They had just accepted them as a pair of ordinary gloves soiled by normal wear. They made no special record. Now, let us return to the 16 files that you found in Spencer's desk. You allege that all these involved victims of the blackmail racket? Uh, it is a very delicate matter. Oh, I'm sure it is. But were they all victims? I think that can be assumed. Assumed. Do you mean that they have not all been checked? No, it is a delicate matter. And Inspector, I... is this court to believe that there are 15 other people walking around today who in all probability had an identical motive to that of my clients and you have not taken the trouble to check? They didn't have appointments with the deceased on that day. Well, how can you be sure? You have not checked with the living. You've been in contact with the dead. Do the police now use Ouija boards or tarot cards? <clears throat> I'm sure the court will be interested to hear. No matter. Finally, the question of the bloodstain note. Have you any idea of how many notes bearing a bloodstain are in circulation in this country at the moment? No. Well, neither have I. But the point is that you haven't checked. Was Spencer's blood group common or rare? <coughs> common. And for all your laboratory tests, you've been unable to pinpoint the time when the note became stained more accurately than within 48 hours. That seemed accurate enough. See, 
Inspector, your whole investigation would seem to lie in the realm of conjecture. That is all. The facts are there for all to see. The bloodstained note, the careful use of gloves to preserve an anonymity. Had the prisoner cared to search his victim and take away the diary and remove the file from the locked drawer, this might well have been added to the list of unsolved crimes. But how could he guess that in death his victim would point a finger directly at him? What then is the picture of the truth? The interview. The prisoner begging to be released from these incessant demands. The brutal refusal. In desperate fury, the prisoner snatches up the steel ruler from the desk and delivers the fatal blow. The victim slumps forward, spattering the pile of banknotes with his blood. Quickly and without noticing their condition, the prisoner takes back his money and flees the office. That is the sad story which has been proved in court, and on which you can return no other verdict than that of guilty. What in fact has been proved by the Crown? Nothing? Is there proof that the blood on the note could have come only from Spencer? No. Is there proof that none of the other 15, yes, 15 possible victims of blackmail entered the office in the afternoon in question? No. Their stories, let alone their alibis, have never been checked. Is there proof that Ticknell did not commit the crime? You yourselves are the best judges of the character of this man and the value of his evidence. I need say no more concerning the investigating methods of this officer who found one slender straw and grasped it, ignoring all other possible leads. All this can only lead to a condition of doubt in your minds, and my client is entitled to that doubt. Well, you have heard all the relevant facts in the case. Would you say that Henry John Howell was guilty or not guilty of the murder of Roger Spencer? In just a moment, we will bring you the verdict recorded in the actual trial upon which this dramatic presentation is based. Well, what was your verdict? In the actual trial, the prisoner, Henry John Hull, was found guilty of murder. Bristol Myers, makers of new Vote Toothpaste, hope you enjoyed tonight's presentation of Consider Your Verdict, produced by Michael Silver. On Friday evening at 8.30, you're invited to listen to Medical File, another great dramatic series, also brought to you by Bristol Myers. So, goodbye until next Tuesday, when it will be time once again to take your place on the jury of... Consider your verdict.